Welcome to Rage Against the Mainstream, your full-spectrum source for all things music, insight, and opinion. My name is Bill, and I'm joined here today with Connor and a special guest. Calling uh, from Wichita, Kansas, this is Steve, a respected member here at Rage Against the Mainstream. As we last saw, I was uh, going away to bowling school. And how's, how's bowling school going for you? Bowling school is going great. Um, so far, I finished a semester over here. I'm now a professional pin setter here in Kansas. Uh, I'm awesome. not going to disclose for legal reasonings the bowling alley I work at. Do they make but you, if you wear if you're the, ever in Kansas? Uh, do they make you wear what? the special shoes, or is that just for the bowlers? Oh yeah, yeah. It's like a, you know how like Michael Jordan. You'll catch him in publicity stunts. He may wear Jordans, so I have to wear the bowling shoes at all time in a public setting because. We sell bowling shoes. We sell them. If you're ever just bowling and you you like the fit, you can buy them. You can take them home. You can even trade in your own shoes and keep our bowling shoes. That's how Michael Jackson did the moonwalk with bowling shoes. Was it bowling shoes? Yeah, he had had bowling shoe bottoms on them. Oh, shit. Yeah. I mean, that would make a lot of sense. Mm -hmm. Think about about how smooth he was. was We actually have moonwalk contests every Saturday at my bowling alley. Makes perfect sense. How how do you place? How do I place what in the moonwalking contest? Yeah, moonwalk contest. Um, I was third place last time out of three people. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's an embarrassing moment, but I obviously do it, you know, for family and friends. You know, it's a good time for everybody. You know, I, I set pins for a living. If yeah. I was there, you would have came in fourth because I would have came in third. <laughs> Probably, yeah. Yeah, it would definitely have been a shootout for third place. Since we last spoke, um. Have you found anything new or interesting? Have you finally listened to the new Tool album? Yeah, uh, it's been a while. Uh, I did mention the last time that uh, the Tool album was released. I was waiting for a special copy to get ordered. I actually received it. I'm going to say this, man, and I've been saying it a lot to people that I talk to on a daily basis. Put it this way. It's a great album, but it falls short in like the realm of Tool. I mean, I can't okay. put it next to Lateralis. I can't put it next to Enema. Um, it's a whole different sound. Tool. You can just really hear that they definitely aged, slowed down album. Um, but yeah, man, as an album itself, I mean, I've listened to it a lot. I'm going to see Tool um, in actually a couple weeks, uh, November 16th. And I'm excited, man. Like the, the album itself is, again, it's very good. But if you're expecting, you know, sounds like, um, you know, uh, Parabola or Undertow or, you know, Sober, like you're not getting it. What about Stead Fist? Nah, you're not getting anything like it. Nothing I, like I it, did but, enjoy it though. It's a great album, man. Yeah. I mean, I thought it was great. great. I really, song. I really did like it. Numa, yeah, Numa's an excellent song. Temptus, well, Temptus, but with the seven, that's a really good song. Calling voices. I mean, that, that album's good. It's just Wait, not for everybody. There's a song on it called Tempest. Temptus, yeah, but it's spelled with a seven instead of a T. They stole that from the Deftones. Listen, man. You're gonna have to take that up with them. All right, I'm in no position to make, you know, claims that they stole something from Deftones. Very disappointing. Uh, hey, man, 
I've so, never listened to a Tool album. You never listened to a Tool album? I've really? Listened to Tool songs and not been impressed. They're too you never angry. listened to an album. They're too angry for no reason. No, dude. They have <laughs> That's nothing, what you know. They have nothing to. They're actually, too angry for no reason. My thing with Tool is, if you want something to cry about, I'll give you something to cry about. Wow, dude. You could say that a lot about a lot of artists in the 90s, though, man. Like who? Almost every single artist in the 90s. <laughs> what do you mean? I don't know about that. What, 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 there's no Tool songs that are going out there for, like, some specific, you know, angst for no reason. What are you talking about? You haven't listened to enough Tool to even make that claim. Ah, <laughs> we're getting off this topic. Uh, all right. Out As a casual... Listener of Tool, not fan. Yeah, uh-huh. Angry. <laughs> All right, like Rage Against right. the Machine, they have a reason to be mad. Listen, man. <laughs> Listen, man. It's Halloween. I'm gonna let you have that. I'm in good spirits. Um, we'll have to revisit that at a later date. All right. So, have you heard anything new or interesting, Connor? Um, nothing new, new to me. <laughs> um, I've been diving into the posthumous Tupac albums. Nice. In particular, Are You Still Down? Remember Me? And Until the End of Time, I would recommend for folks interested in diving into those long-lost gems to listen to, get started on songs like Do For Love, uh, Until the End of Time, Ballad of a Dead Soldier. Hmm. Yeah, I would start on those three. Nice. Yo, while you're talking about Tupac, Bill, before you get into this, I think it's so funny. My sister, right? My sister listened to a lot of like that 90s, 2000s rap, like growing up. She was way more into rap than like I was, but that's where I got my influence to listen to some of this old school rap. So she has kids now. One of them is 14 years old. The other one's 11, the two oldest boys. She was driving around taking these kids to like Target or something. She put on Resurrection. Okay. She likes Tupac. Yo, these kids hated it. What? What? They hated it. They disrespected the crap. My sister even texted me like, yo, they, they disrespected Pac. They said they don't like it. But these are the kids that listen to like Lil Uzi Vert and Extension. That's and, crazy. And, uh, that new mumble emo rap that's coming out these days. So she puts on Tupac for I'm like, yo, you kids don't know shit about rap. And then, boom, they said this is garbage. Like, turn this off. Oh this my is God. old people music. Give me 20 minutes with hey, these kids and they'll be converts. <laughs> That's exactly what I said. Those kids would be locked in a basement for a little bit with uh, Illmatic until they change their attitude. Right. Well, fucking bullshit. It's, it's kind of funny because within that same vein, my newer interesting is the new Post Malone album. Okay. Have you heard it? No, but I've heard excerpts because of like Instagram where you see like a live performance, you know, yeah. him performing such song or something. He's got this song, dude, called uh, Take What You Want From Me. It's got Ozzy on it. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, you showed me that. Yeah, yeah dude. Did you, well, did you see like all that? Ozzy Osbourne didn't even know who Post Malone yeah, was. Could you imagine that? Like, oh, Sharon, who's Post? Who's this Post Malone guy? Yeah. Well, of course, Ozzy doesn't know who the fuck Post Malone is. Well, it's funny now though because he did know who it was. <laughs> well, it's funny now because since he did that song with Post Malone, he then took Post Malone's producer, and now Ozzy's putting out another studio album with that producer. And they said it's like back to huh. classic Ozzy. But in the same interview, I read that Zach Wilde isn't a part of it. Bullshit. Yeah. I don't know how they can expect to get classic Ozzy without Zach Wilde. Exactly. 
No. And it sounds like a marketing no. attempt. And Zach Wild said there's no Absolutely. like ill feelings or anything or you know no like bad blood. Like Ozzy was at his daughter's wedding last uh, a couple weeks ago, and uh, he just said Ozzy put out this record and he asked him if he minded not being on it, and Zach said yeah no problem. So I mean I don't know what to expect, but they I mean should have at least brought him on for a couple solos here and there. Yeah, geez. exactly. Like, dude, honest to God, if you think about it, like Randy Rhodes, everyone knows like Crazy Train and like Die Ever Madman and Flying High Again, shit like that over the mountain. And then you have Jakey e. Lee that did like Bark at the Moon and shit like that. But for like the general Aussie listeners, like the general music fan, the casual music fan that doesn't know shit stuff. about, yeah, it's all yeah. like No More Tears. Yeah, it's Let all me ask shit you a from question, that album. Though. Because we, know, I don't even think yeah. I've ever asked you this. Now that you brought up both Rhodes and Zach Wild, who do I think's better? If you had to choose an era of Ozzy solo career, like as a whole, I'm talking about every piece of work that Rhodes put out with him and every piece that Zach Wild put out with him. Which era do you think is more enjoyable for your personal perspective? My you, personal perspective, Zach Wild, definitely. As far as guitar playing goes and just sheer talent, Randy Rhodes has it all day just because he was an innovator in that in that style of music, definitely. But as far as listenability goes and the songs, like, dude, honest to God, like, that No More Tears album is fucking good from start to finish. Like, there's not a bad song on that yeah. album. But, I mean, in okay. the same respect, though, you Mad have Man? songs like Diary of, yeah, you have, like, Diary of a Madman and yeah. shit like that, and, like, those songs are really fucking good. But... Yeah, I, I don't know. It, I kind of have like this like weird thing where like I really really appreciate the Jakey e. Lee era of Ozzy music. Like I love I love the Bark of the Moon album, and My I love favorite song by Ozzy. Yeah, and I love the, the Ultimate the Sin Moon. album. Like they're both very good. Favorite but single. I think as far as it goes, it's yeah. gonna have to be Zach. Zach all the way. Jesus. Zach's better at all right. those. Yeah, Sorry. absolutely. Yeah, and his guitar tones way better than Randy. Like Randy's Maybe Randy's not so much anymore. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> He's gone too digital. Yeah, when we <laughs> saw him, you couldn't yeah. even make out what he was playing. It was so digital, yeah. I mean, it was crazy, but it was still digital as shit. Yeah, well, because he plays in, like, I think it's, like, B standard or, like, drop B or something live, you know, for Ozzy's range now. And not only is it so muddy anymore, but then he throws all these effects on it. Yeah. And like when he's playing some of the songs, you can't make out what he's playing. Yeah, and we were in the lawn, so. Yeah, exactly. Like if you ever get a chance, look up some like live videos from that concert that we went to in Camden. It's the only Ozzy Camden show. What year was that? 2018. Was it 18? I don't know if it was last year or this year. I, I think it was last, last year. Yeah, yeah, I think it was last year. Yeah. yeah, I think it was last August, yeah. If you just go on YouTube and type in, like, Ozzy Camden. That's crazy. That was a year ago. Yeah. Yeah, it had to be because I saw Alice in Chains, too, in 2018 at, at BB&T. Yeah, it was, I, I'm pretty sure it was 18. I could be wrong. But, hmm. yeah, anyways, back to the Post Malone thing. The um the album that I heard, dude, was good. It was It was pretty good. I mean... Like, I like his older stuff, but, like, this is pretty neat, and especially to have that song with Ozzy, I think that's pretty cool. Yeah, I was going to say, the thing with Post Malone that's interesting is, um, you know, obviously when you first start seeing his face and the arrows coming out, you want to, like, bunch him in with all those mumble rappers. And, like, yeah, that's not like that. No. That's what I'm saying. He's not even on that level, but it's cool because a lot like of a times I see him come up. Huh? He's a pop artist. Yeah, dude, because like, even a lot of time when I see, I saw him, like, Covering Santeria, I've seen him cover like all apologies. I've seen him even cover um, Killing Bulls in the Name. Brave. You know, like he does. 
Bulls on parade. I've seen him yeah. like because he's definitely got a lot of influence. I've even seen him just like on a tour bus, like playing an acoustic guitar with some friends and like playing like like a '90s song. Like he's got a lot of cool influences, and his voice is very good. And he's personally yeah. like you when you hear his interviews, he's a very relatable guy. Yeah, I mean, he seems like he seems normal. He seems like if one of us three were to make it, like writing songs with auto tune, maybe one of you two. Come on. <laughs> On this day in music history. On this day in music history, the 1961 U2 drummer Larry Mullen is born in Dublin, Ireland. I know Steve feels a certain way about U2. He's a, he's like a not yeah. bad drummer, but he kind of just like took the post punk styles that were all popular at the time and just yeah, he's just associated with, it. with a very uh, yeah poor musical group. Well, yeah, yeah, that's the thing. You have to think about what he's doing with what he has to work with. Yeah. I mean, he just did the 16th notes and shit that all those pop uh, post-punk bands were doing at the time. Yeah, Yeah, bro, you put it out there as him as a person. If you had an opportunity to be in U2, the money they're making at that point in time. If I had an opportunity to be in U2 in the late 70s, early 80s, I would have exited by 1992. Well, that point, I wouldn't have enough money. (laughs) Knowing what you know now. Now, knowing what you know now, you know what I mean? But Oh, no. As soon, I, I, as, soon as the demo sessions for Zeropa kicked off, I'd have been like, yo, I'm not playing drums on this shit. Yo, I'm out, dude. I'm out. <laughs> Fuck ZTV. <laughs> Fuck I know Zoom where this World is going. <laughs> they should make a Back to the Future episode, you know, with Larry Mullen, where he goes back and he checks out before that era. Fuck the B-O-N-O. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, 1964, when landing in Boston, Ray Charles is arrested when heroin and marijuana are found when he is searched at customs. He enters rehab to avoid jail. I think I remember that from the movie. Yeah. Yeah, didn't he, um, in the movie, they portrayed it where he was, like, in that room and they, like, came in, like, grabbed him and shit. Yeah. Yeah, we gotta do Ray. Yeah, I agree. Hell yeah. That's actually, that was, like, the movie that kicked off biopics, honestly. I think 8 Mile was. Okay, 8 Mile. Yeah. All right. That was around the same time, though. Ray came out around that same time. I know Ray was from 04. I think 8 Mile might have been, like, 02. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then uh, Get Richard Die Trying was shortly after that. 05, I think, or 07, maybe. Um, mm-hmm. Anyway, 1967. Speaking of great rappers, Vanilla Ice is born Robert <laughs> Matthew Van Winkle in Dallas, Texas. <laughs> Motherfucker's probably a no Cowboys shit. fan. Yeah, Robert Matthew Van Winkle. Could you imagine, like, yeah, like the, people trying to come up with his rap name? Like, well, they were probably like, "Yo, that's yo, the most vanilla sounding name." Yeah, on the they planet. were probably all just like, yeah. "Vanilla, vanilla." He's like, "Can we? Can it not have vanilla? It's gonna have vanilla in it, bro." <laughs> like you know, but I'm saying, like, you think of like rappers, like you figure Fifty Cent's name, you finally find it, like you know, Curtis Jackson. All right, that's not too bad. Sounds like my a football player. Van, my name is Robert Van Winkle. Yeah, that's that sounds first... like the weird pedophile in like a horror movie. Like it's the yeah. Van Winkle. You know yeah. what I mean? Like Van Winkle. That's funny. <laughs> Way worse than Van Halen as a last name. Yeah. <laughs> Van Halen at least yeah. sounds kind of, like pretty badass. Like Van Halen. <laughs> Van Winkle. <laughs> um nineteen seventy. Michelle Phillips of the Mamas and Papas marries actor Dennis Hopper. The marriage is annulled seven days later. I've heard about this before. Dennis yeah. Hopper's a fucking maniac. Is he? Yeah. <laughs> maniac. Yeah. Um 
Well, and he liked. He was like the guy. He was in uh, Easy Rider, and then he like turned away from all the '60s ideals in the '70s and became like a staunch like conservative. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so like, pretty much everybody in Hollywood hated him by the '70s. But um, 1986, big jump. 16 years later, Roger Waters sues David Gilmour and Nick Mason to keep them from touring and recording as Pink Floyd. They do so anyway, and later come to an agreement with Waters that allows them to use the name and i mean they all fucking tour for dark side of the moon and the yeah. wall now i mean or not all of them, yeah, but David no, yeah. and, Roger Waters. and dude honestly like i've heard live videos from both parties and they're both extremely good i mean they're not pink floyd by any means i but prefer roger waters yeah roger yeah. waters solo shit's so good yeah I Yo, mean, did you ever hear the floyd album that came out in 87 right after this happened no. Is that a momentary, momentary lapse of reason? Lapse of reason. Yeah. I don't think I've ever listened to it. I've just seen it on Wikipedia. Yes. Wait. No, I haven't listened to that. Was there a single? Yeah, Learning to Fly. Uh, yeah, um, I know that song. On the Turning Away in One Slip. Don't know that um, one. Yeah, I just recently yeah, dude, started I getting mean, into Pink Floyd. Really? Yeah. It took me long enough. I just, next, next is The Doors, my friend. Yeah, uh, I'm falling off. Yeah, I'm falling off on the doors. There, there's a chance you might be able to cop my doors CDs. I would take them all, dude. Uh, 1988, Soundgarden issues their full-length debut album, Ultra Mega OK, on SST Records. That's cool. I fucking love Ultra Mega OK. Yeah, so do I. I find it. I find yeah. it way better than um louder than love, which louder, I feel like louder, do you really more credit. Oh yeah, I like Ultra Mega OK way better. I think Louder Than Love is actually probably my least favorite Soundgarden album. Really? Yeah. Hmm. I even probably like uh, King Animal better. Well, King Animal wasn't all that bad. Yeah. I don't know. I really like because Louder Than Love has hands all over on it. Um, Yeah. yeah. There's good songs on it. But I think the reason why I really like that is because I remember we went to Best Buy when I was like actually collecting CDs. So that was the first Soundgarden album I bought because it was the only one available at the time at Best Buy. Oh, wow. And I had never heard it. Okay. So, like, I only had that CD. If I wanted to listen to Soundgarden at that point in time, I didn't have even an iPhone or anything. So I was listening to Louder Than Love. I think that's why, because it really grew on me, because that's all I listened to by Soundgarden for a while. Okay, see, I'm the opposite. Louder Than Love was probably the last one I got from Soundgarden besides King Animal. The first one I got was Bad Motorfinger, and then Super mm-hmm. Unknown, and then Down the Upside. I got into those first, and then I got Ultra Mega OK. Loved it. And then... I don't know something about Louder Than Love. It was like short. Um, there was a couple songs. There was three or four songs on. I felt were filler. Like never was that into Get on the Snake or Big Dumb Sex or yeah, I can't remember the, the, the other ones. But there was a couple on it that I felt like were kind of tossaways, and I felt like Ultra Mega OK was dope throughout. <laughs> well, you got to figure too, man. Like I wasn't even that big into Nirvana until like high school because I always did a like a lot of those bands with like oh they had those popular songs and i yeah. knew black hole son and it annoyed the fuck out of me and then i think it was actually eric who showed me jesus christ pose i think connor you showed me like fell on black days and then it was funny because i knew like a couple of those songs but i never listened to bad motor finger or super unknown in its entirety i actually heard louder than love in its entirety before their other albums yeah, Super Unknown in its entirety. Like, Soundgarden is one of the few bands where if you ask me what is my favorite Soundgarden album, I'd probably have to say their most popular album, Super Unknown. It's just 
Yeah, Super Unknown is that good, dude. Super Unknown is that good, yeah. Um, all right, uh, skipping through the grunge era for the most part, we got 1993, Atlantic Records signs Hootie and the Blowfish, which have already released two independent EPs and grown a following in South Carolina. It's a good signing. The band's debut, Cracked Rear Viewer, becomes the best-selling album in the label's history. Wow. I always think about uh, Jerry Maguire when uh, the kids in the airport think that Cuba Gooding Jr. is Hootie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was like, funny, man. Hootie. Hootie and the Blowfish. <laughs> yeah. Hootie and the Blowfish was uh, my mom's favorite band. Really? Um, when I was a, yeah, when I was a kid, my dad, I mean, like my mom used to always have that song that was on all the time dude. bro i lived in south carolina when that album came out y'all don't oh my god know. <laughs> all right they're still playing that shit there's probably like posters <laughs> and everything darius yeah. ruckers for president even fairweather johnson the follow-up was big um <laughs> Like it just goes to show you that I lived there when I was a little kid and I know that album title. Like, yeah. Um, 1993 again. Tupac Shakur shoots two off duty police officers in Atlanta, Georgia, who are treated and released from the hospital. Accounts of the incident are sketchy, but it appears that at least one of the cops instigated the incident and was possibly inebriated. Charges against the rapper are later dropped. Yeah. They were trying to kill him for being too badass. That's the fact. <laughs> Thug life this bitch. Mm-hmm. The hate you gave. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, he got shot in 91 by a cop, I think, too, for the, the night the video for Trapped came out, which was uh, the single off his first album, uh, one of the singles, and the video was all against police brutality. Yeah. And... In between his first album in 1993, what happened? The L.A. riots after Rodney King got yeah. Yep. Up. Um, now, see, yeah, I think 92. people always people always attribute the Tupac to being like this badass gangster dude, but he also did a lot for the communities and shit, and like tried to help out underprivileged areas and everything. Like he, deep down, dude, he wasn't like a fucking bad guy at all by any means. He was the head of the new Black Panther Party in the 80s before his rapper. There's people that say he was faking the whole gangster shit just to um, appeal to the Bloods and Crips, which were huge organizations, to try and turn them on to activism to help their communities. Yeah. And that wasn't like... That was controversial in some ways. Yeah. Um, He read hundreds of like like... Politic, like scholarly level political books before he was 18. Oh, like, wow. His his whole family was Black Panthers. Like he was political and huh. it's dangerous. You learn um, something new every day. 1997, <laughs> Jane's Addiction reunites for a Halloween show at the Hammerstein Ballroom in New York. 22 years later, coincidentally, Rage Against the Mainstream reunite for a Halloween episode. <laughs> <laughs> I saw I saw Jane's hey, Addiction hey. live on their Ritual Day Low Habitual tour, the, or the the 20th anniversary or 25th anniversary for. I was gonna say, how did you see them live on that tour? And I was gonna, I was hoping there was like more to that before you finished that sentence. Well, All right. Simple, bro. He was four years old. He went. They played yeah, the yeah. whole album. They started off with the album, and then they they hit the like hits from uh, the first album, and it was dope. It was literally like they were on the tour because they all, they played all of Ritual Day Little Bitual, and then like the best songs from uh, Nothing Shocking. Oh shit! 
So it's a great album. Man. It was cool. Dinosaur Jr. Open, Living Color Open for them. Um, yeah, 1998. Kiss launched their Psycho Circus tour with a Halloween show in Los Angeles. The Smashing Pumpkins are the opening act. Now, here's something. Do you guys ever remember the game Kiss Psycho Circus for the computer? Nope. No? No. It was a game they only sold at five below. This is how weird it is. Like, I remember, like, seeing the fucking game. I'm like, shit. Kiss has a video game? I love Kiss. And, like, you know, me being, like, 12 or 13 was like, this is the shit. I didn't even know they had five below that far back. Yeah. It was in Turnersville. And um that's where was I heard the song good? Psycho Circus. Have you ever yeah, it's it's like a um it's it's basically like, you know, the KISS characters, you know, like not Gene, Paul, Ace, and Peter, but it's like the the Star Child, the demon, the, yeah, 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 you know, yeah, the yeah, spaceman yeah. and the cat or whatever. Yeah, the personalities, you're, yeah. You're in hell. And you're playing as these characters to fucking like just like take over hell, basically. I could be wrong, so don't <laughs> quote me on it. But it's been a very long time since I played the game, but I remember loving it. And they had a music video for the song Psycho Circus. And I remember hearing this and like, you know, before this, like you only heard like rock and roll all night or whatever. And I remember thinking for like the longest time, Kiss was like super badass after that song. I love it. That was a badass song. Dude, well, this is before I heard any of that shit. Like, like you have, have to think, I was like a dumb shit. kid yeah. at this Black point. Diamond. Yeah. Yeah. But like, I heard the song Psycho Circus, and I was, and that kind of turned me into a Kiss fan a little bit. Like, I was like, this song is fucking awesome. If you ever had the opportunity, I would check out the song Psycho Circus. Don't have super high hopes, but All it's right. definitely more badass than you know most of the other Kiss Kiss tunes. Did that song come out in '98? Was that like the same year? Yeah, it was. It was on Psycho Circus, like- the album. Because I fuck with, like, uh, Destroyer's actually a pretty decent album. Because the only reason I really got into Kiss was because other than... Well, Destroyer's like, Strutter, like a big album, right? Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. well, because, I mean, Destroyer, though, has God of Thunder on it. It was actually covered by Death oh, on okay. the yeah. re-release of the album Human. And I was like, wow, like, Chuck Schuldner decided it was a good idea to cover a Kiss song. It's obviously got to be some credibility there. So I went and listened to Destroyer, and I was like, holy shit, it's actually a pretty decent album. Oh, yeah. A little off topic here about God of Thunder. If you ever get the chance, go on YouTube and type in Supergroup God of Thunder. There was a VH1 reality show where they had a bunch of like rock stars and shit like Scott Ian from Anthrax, Gilby Clark from Guns N' Roses. Um, I think it's Tommy Lee's the drummer and Rob Zombie's the singer. And they played like the VH1 Rock Honors for Kiss. And they played God of Thunder, dude. And it's probably the most badass shit you ever heard. Yeah. Like Rob Zombie. Rob Zombie? Yeah. All right. That's pretty sweet, actually. All right, moving on. I'll check that out. Moving on to more important things. In 2000, <laughs> Lifehouse released their debut album, No Name Face. The first single, Hanging by a Moment, takes off, becoming the most played song on American radio in 2001. I think that's actually the only song in history as well to be the, the most played song of the year, according to Billboard and not hit the number one position. Really? Yeah. I think it was number oh, two. Holy for like shit. Literally the entire year. That's crazy. Yeah. I was a big fan of that song. Yeah, I'm was, not going to lie. I'm not going to fucking front. I like that song. That song was a banger. Yeah. Right now. I still I still listen to it every oh, now yeah. and then. If it comes on, I'm fucking rocking out. I know all the words, all Just that shit. The bass line is really... Changing. I like the bass line in it. Starving yeah. for Being choose. for <laughs> I'm closer, I'm closer to where I started, where I started. <laughs> Chasing, Chasing after you, you. <laughs> Falling even 
It's almost like it's we've almost lost. like post post grunge. It's like pop grunge. We've literally like lost any, pop grunge. Any like credibility we had is gone. Yeah. <laughs> hey man, it, you can be raging this against the mainstream happens. and still appreciate some good melody here and there. It doesn't That's matter. That's very how, true. How big it got. Yeah, yeah, like I can listen to Goat Whore and then Lifehouse. What's the problem? Yeah. <laughs> this is America. <laughs> um, There's nothing better than uh, listening to Life house after a nice anal cunt record you know what i mean i mean you gotta mix it up from time to time just no nickelback ever that's the thing <laughs> um or nah, don't go that um, far here 2005 en route to the next stop on their never sleep again tour the van carrying the band bayside skids on a patch of ice and flips over on a highway in cheyenne wyoming killing 31 year old drummer john beats Hulahan. most of the other band members sustained minor injuries except for bassist nick Gunnabarian who breaks his back when he's thrown from the vehicle. That's crazy. Well, they stayed popular a long time after that. Yeah. So I guess they recovered. I mean, that's terrible for the uh who for the drummer. For the drummer, yeah. And then the bassist broke his back. I'm sure that was no picnic. Yeah. Um, I mean, hey, that's sad. Yeah. Happy. I'm never a big Bayside fan, but nah, me either. Uh I appreciate them. I'm just not a big fan of them. Yeah. Anyway, 2007, Elvis Presley tops the annual Forbes magazine list of most profitable dead celebrities. His estate having taken in 49 million over the past year. John Lennon makes the number two spot. George Harrison, James Brown, and Bob Marley also make the list. Oh, wow. That's crazy. What's the thing, dude? Everything has a fucking Elvis sticker on it. Like every piece of Elvis memorabilia like has to go through like the Elvis camp before it reaches stores or they pull. Yeah. Well, just think about that in a grand scheme of things. Elvis's dead body is raking in more money than all three of us combined. will probably ever see in our lifetime. Yeah. That's crazy. Mm -hmm. That's crazy. Well, like it's almost better financially to be a dead Elvis than a breathing human being today. Unbelievable. Very unequal. Um, (laughs) yeah. 2008 in Nottingham, England, 1,227 people in zombie garb performed a dance from Michael Jackson's Thriller video, setting a new Guinness World Record for the largest gathering of zombies. The stunt pushes the song back into the UK chart where it lands at number 35. That's crazy. Yeah, I mean, well, Michael Jackson's dead body is also making a lot more than the three of us combined. Will ever of touch. course. Oh, yeah. my God. Yeah. Well, that's the yeah. thing too. Thriller is like that that quintessential like Halloween song and album, man. Oh, yeah. yeah, well, it's one of the well, it's funny because if you listen, yeah. essential album, <laughs> bro. If you listen to radio stations, it's like they don't even know what to play that's Halloween related. So you'll hear the Monster Mash three thousand times, Ghostbusters, and Thriller in between. Yeah, and you'll hear the Ghostbusters theme from time to time. Like, yeah. like, there's so many other Halloween theme songs you can play, but on one hundred two nine, certain the stations like that. <laughs> Uh, Bo- yeah, Boris the Spider. There you Boris go. The Boris the Spider. Boris the Spider. They hated that. The fucking Who. That was the number one worst song they hated to play live. I bet. My former bassist, P-Town Jeff, wanted to cover that. Fucking can't stand it. Yeah. Um, Terrible. 2010, Demi Lovato deletes her Twitter account and enters rehab after suffering a nervous breakdown on the Jonas Brothers tour, among her other commitments. I don't even know what to say about this one. I'd probably have a nervous breakdown too if I was touring with the Jonas Brothers. Facts. Music news. 
Today in music news, October 31st, 2019. We forgot to mention in the beginning of this episode, happy Halloween to all of you people out there. All of our listeners, you know, our international subscribers and everything, you know. Dia even, de the, <laughs> even the people back home here in New Jersey on the eastern, you know, the east coast. All right. First thing we have here is something that is near and dear to my heart. Eddie Van Halen has been diagnosed with throat cancer. Um, Eddie has been flying between the United States and Germany to get treatment for throat cancer, which he believes was caused by a metal guitar pick that he used back in the day for the past five years. He's been making these trips to Germany. Um, he did have tongue cancer at one point in the 90s, I believe, or the early 2000s, and they cut a third of his tongue. Why does he believe it was caused by a metal guitar pick? Because it's the same reason why, you know, people don't want to say that cigarettes causes uh, lung cancer. Did he smoke cigarettes? Yeah, he still does. Oh, there it is. Yeah. But, um, fucking metal pick. What he put in his mouth a lot? Is that his excuse? Yeah, that was excuse because he's in the studio. Doesn't yeah, make any sense. That did it. But, however, on a lighter note here with Eddie Van Halen, um, a couple weeks ago, his son posted on Twitter that, um, uh, they were both at the Staples Center to see the Tool concert, and a random concert goer asked Eddie Van Halen to take a picture of him with the stage behind him without knowing that it was Eddie Van Halen. Yeah, yeah, was that, yeah. <laughs> and then yeah, later on that night, he, um, you know, him and uh, Wolfgang went behind, went backstage, and were hanging out with Tool, Adam Jones, and stuff. All right. Um, next thing we have here in music news is Eddie Money who we've mentioned on this podcast before, and we've been, you know, inadvertently chronicling his, uh, his illness. He died at age 70. Um, the singer and songwriter whose songs, baby, hold on Two tickets to paradise, shaken and take me home tonight. Soundtrack, popular music of the 1980s died September 13th. Um, money just recently d- revealed that he was diagnosed with stage four esophageal cancer before his death. I always liked Eddie Money, especially yeah. as so did I, man. King of Queens. <laughs> yeah. I've always liked yeah, Eddie Money. Uh, is, there's so many hit songs there, dude. I mean, like, you want to talk about songs that you just, like, heard on the radio that just, like, always stuck with you? Yeah. You figured driving around my parents as, like, a kid and stuff. Like, my dad's always listened to classic rock stations. So now, like, when you get older and you figure out who those artists actually are, those songs just have such a level of uh, nostalgia in them, man. I saw Eddie Money live at Disney World. Really? I mean, you had to pay more to like get into that the section where the outside amphitheater it. was, but you could see him and hear him from the outside. And <laughs> That's I mean, awesome. we didn't like stop that long. It was like five minutes, but like, I saw I saw a brief flash of Eddie Money. Still Eddie Money, regardless. <laughs> <laughs> All right, um, here's something that's uh, that speaks to me and you maybe a little bit more than Connor here. Uh, Chris Adler oh. breaks his silence about leaving Lamb of God. Is he related to Stephen Adler? No. Damn. <laughs> thankfully, thankfully not. Yeah, uh, Chris Adler is a way better drummer than Steven Adler. Um, yeah, it's not even comparison. Chris Adler has broken his silence about his departure from Lamb of God. He released a statement in which he finally explained some of the reasons for his exit from the band he co-founded 25 years ago. Um, I'm not, I'm not going to read it word for word here, but um, he felt like it was time to address many questions. Um, he gave his, you know, 26 of his, uh, 26 years of his life to it. And, um, you know, basically he just got tired of phoning it in every night. He said, you know, like he loved the fact of playing these songs and whatever, but they kind of started to lose their luster 
you know, playing the same song or in the same set every night. And, you know, he's he's ready to move on. There's not really any kind of, you know, how he exited the band or, you know, whatever. It's He did say that it wasn't his decision. So I don't know, maybe if it was a manager decision or maybe just a band discussion and that's how it ended. But, you know, at least there's some sort of closure there. And it's not just, oh, here's our cruise. Hope you enjoy it. I give him props. You know, yeah. I mean, you do something for 26 years. It's It's like he said, like. Just because you made it big in a band doesn't mean you didn't miss out on other stuff and you might not want to do other things. And Exactly. Yeah, you know, he said, he, you know, he's playing the same songs all the time. Mm-hmm. You know, it gets to a point where it's like you, you don't want to leave to spend time with the same exactly. motherfuckers you've been spending the past 25 years. Yeah, with this quote in the statement is really what made me respect him even more. He said, uh, there is an ambiguous concept in our world of quote unquote selling out. I cannot define that, um, outside of my personal understanding, but know that being trapped in a quote unquote creative formula and or playing the same song 10,000 times did not bolster my love of playing. Like this was perfect because Bill, you know, as much as I do, like fans of Lamb of God, huge fan of Lamb of God, but there's errors of Lamb of God that I'm a fan of. Yeah, exactly. You know, like I love As the Palaces Burn. I love New American Gospel. Ashes of the Wake is a fucking flawless album. But then Sacrament comes out and and Wrath comes out and, you know, they started going down because it's funny, too. Even their set list, dude, when we saw them together with Amon Amor, That was to a T, the same exact set list that I heard them play the year before on Slayer's other final tour. Well, that's the thing, Literally, dude. It's because they know what their fans want to hear. They know the songs, and, and they just give it. I mean, you never really got into Lamb of God, Connor, but like, if you were to delve into like heavier metal like that, Lamb of God would be the band for you. And to fully yeah. understand like where he's coming from, like if you were to see them live, like you would one hundred percent get it. Like I did like what yeah, he after, Chris Adler made. following what you were saying, Steve, ahead, he said, I've <clears throat> never been one to quote unquote phone it in. I'd rather mow the grass. He's like, yeah, I yeah. just want a normal life at this point where I can fucking relax. Exactly. And be me. Yeah. I mean, dude, he's had an illustrious career. He's played with Megadeth. You know, he's done a bunch of stuff. Like, you know, he, he really has nothing to prove he's at this point. He's probably in his 40s. It's probably getting harder and harder probably, for him to probably keep older up than these that. Yo, think about this, though, man. What do we talk about on the first thing of On This Day in Music History? This is what Larry Mullen should have done. Yeah. Like, he's checking out now while he still can to salvage his own respect. He's done what he's supposed to do. He's created enough work. Because I'm going to tell you right now, Lamb of God, I listened to him for two things, and it was the first thing was Chris Adler's oh, drumming. Oh, well, yeah, yeah, not for nothing. His but drumming is so fucking good. Larry Mullen could probably play most of his drum parts until he's fucking 80. Yeah. Chris Adler, nah. Well, that's it's another <laughs> yeah. thing. Yeah. You've, heard enough, Adler, you've heard enough thing. Lamb of God. Yeah, I've heard enough to know that yeah. like, fucking Larry Mullen doesn't hold <laughs> Chris Adler's jockstrap inability. No. But I'm saying, I think, it too, he, he's obviously not going to come out and say it, but if you, again, being a fan of the band and you're seeing the direction they're heading into more of that mainstream quality sound, because even when they released that uh, Burn the Priest uh, album that was all covers, yeah. 
it was cool because they went back to that old, you know, name and persona, but it's still like, you know, a very polished newer land. Yeah, exactly. And I don't know, man. Like I, I, that's the one thing, man. Ashes is awake. I still listen to that album, like front to back continuously. It's just so good. And I think this was like the perfect time. And I'm, I'm excited to hear what their new work's going to sound like. Um, they're still amazing live, even with the oh new drummer God, they yeah. have on there. Me and Connor were talking not, about it on an episode where you weren't here. Um, yeah, he like uh, you know there was the the first things I notice when I go to a show is I always look at the gear, and when I noticed the drum yeah. said "Crush," I I knew that Chris Adler plays Mapex drums, and I was like, okay, maybe he changed endorsers. And then I saw Art Cruz after a little while when they put him up on the screen. I was like, oh, shit, that's not fucking Chris Adler. And then Connor asked me, he said, well, if your eyes were closed and you heard him play, would you know it wasn't Chris Adler? And honest to God, I don't think I could tell the difference between the two. Wait, was I there? No, no, no. no. You asked me on an episode here oh, without okay. Steve. I was about to say, did I see Lamb of God and didn't even fucking remember? <laughs> no, you'd remember that. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm excited to hear what they have coming forward. I mean... It sucks because Chris Adler is, like we said before, he's one of those great, like, metal elite drummers. Like, honest to God, he's, yeah. he's second to none. Like, you, yeah. you know, you can't take that from him. Chad Channing's probably a little better. <laughs> Chad Channing? Yeah, the original yeah. Nirvana drummer. Yeah, no, I know who Chad Channing is. Um, he's close. Bro, he had, he's a close, uh, close second. Fun fact, dude, Chad Channing had a lot more double bass on Bleach than Dave. Dave Roll never used double bass in Nirvana. Because Dave Roll didn't need to because he's yeah. a fucking monster. Yeah, that's true. Speaking he, yeah, he literally played the Chad double bass parts with one foot, I'm pretty yeah. sure. Yeah. Speaking of bands with great drummers, last thing we have oh, here in yeah. music news is Metallica. I thought we banned Metallica because <laughs> they're they've been overrepresented. I'm just trying. I'm just trying to get the word out there. You know, James, Kirk, Lars, Robert. Whoa, we're fans. Wait, he is this yeah. now? Yeah, this is now. All right. The headline here is Metallica. You don't know about this? Metallica oh, I cancels. Thought he was clean as a fucking judge or whatever. Sober as a judge. No, dude. Metallica cancels the upcoming tour as James Hetfield re-enters rehab. Let me guess. He's probably just drinking. Yeah. What a loser. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Metallica well, postponed their upcoming tour of Australia and New Zealand so James Hetfield can return to rehab. The heavy metal legends announced late September. Um, as most of you probably know, our brother James has been struggling with addiction on and off for many years. He has now, unfortunately, had to re-enter a treatment program to work on his recovery again. Um, Lars, Kirk, and Robert said uh, in a statement on the Metallica site, uh, we fully intend to make our way to your part of the world as soon as health and schedule permit. We'll let you know as soon as we can. Once again, we are devastated that we have inconvenienced so many of you, especially our most loyal fans who often travel great distances to experience our shows. We appreciate your understanding and support for James. And as always, thank you for being a part of our Metallica family. It, yo, listen, it's crazy. I'm going to come out and say this because, yeah, I've been following this for a period of time. Yeah. Bill, I remember when you actually sent me the article when it was first posted. 
Um, first of all, I, I can already picture Lars Ulrich being the one to make like public statements about James Hetfield and it, like being a business decision. Yeah. Because first of all, they already have tour dates scheduled. Yeah. Like future tour dates. So they're just like under the whim that this man's just going to go to rehab. He's going to come out and everything's going to be back to normal. And that was another thing. Cause I used to see people, you know, follow the Metallica Instagram and they would post on the page, like, you know, get well soon can't wait till you get out and you're better. Like people don't understand like addiction and alcoholism. Isn't just like you go to the hospital and get a broken fucking leg fix. Like this man is obviously going through a lot of shit and at his age and the money that he's making, it's almost harder for him to like, why would you stay sober? How are you not going to have a beer? How are you not going to go out there and do those things? I mean, obviously we watched the, some kind of monster documentary, some kind of monster. Yeah, like how he was during that time. And now this is going on some years later where it's the problems are still there. But it's crazy because this was like the same concept with Amy Winehouse. Yeah. Um, granted, the substances are different from alcohol and drugs being heroin. But, you know, it's like the same thing. Like you guys, like Lars is probably sitting there still talking to people about like, all right, we're going to do this date. Uh, you know, James will be out at this point. At this point, you should be like, there's, there's no real real step back to be like, Yo, this man needs some fucking help, like some real help. Yeah, I mean, and we've talked about this before. Like, without a James, there is no Metallica. Hell no. Like, everyone else in that band could be replaced tomorrow, and there wouldn't be a single problem. Absolutely. Metallica might finally be ready to implode. Yeah, maybe. The mighty Metallica monster might come to a screeching halt. Although, you you can't can't cancel tour dates. No. If you don't, if no, you don't make know, it up, you're financially fucked. Like that shit costs mad. Well, I mean, let's you put it this way: Metallica dumped for what they would have got paid. Well, let's put it this way: Metallica fucking wasted ninety million dollars on a movie that fucking flopped in the box office. I don't think them getting sued for tour. What date. movie did they spend ninety million dollars? Through on? the Never. It was a con- it was like a concept concert movie. Yeah. Why yeah, the hell would they spend like, ninety yeah. million dollars on a movie? Dude, they bought their own production company and this everything. Is, this is the epitome of it. You just mentioned the movie that they spent ninety million dollars on, and Connor had no idea what the fuck they exactly. were talking about. You know what I mean? That just goes to show you, dude. Like, it was only released in theaters for like a week because it did so bad. I know. Dude. <laughs> I mean, they're completely I, out of touch yeah. if they think that like. Most Metallica fans aren't like you guys, where they know like every fucking thing about Metallica. Like, yeah. Most Metallica well, fans. Way, I don't even think most Metallica fans just like through the Never's Master of Puppets through the Black Album. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, and yeah. they really only like the Black Album. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> and one and Master of, and you know. I mean, I'm not gonna go out on a whim and say that me and Steve are like the biggest Metallica fans, but we're we're definitely more versed in Metallica than a lot of than the average. Yeah, than the average yeah. music listener. <laughs> because you you get that world of Metallica fan where they'll refuse to listen to anything beyond like Injustice and the Black Album. Then you get the ones that appreciate the Black Album and then like the Load and Reload era yeah. more so that are on like the radio beat. But then you get the ones like and me and Bill and Connor even like with certain bands understand this. I've listened to all of their albums yeah. and we've had the discussion and I don't want to keep rehashing it, but I mean, even Death Magnetic, you know, like I actually appreciate that album for some regards. But, you know, after Hardwired and everything that's going on with them now, 
I it's the same thing. Like when should bands stop? You know, when should bands call it quits? I don't think they should be going back in the studio trying to because what are you trying to do? You're trying to relive some glory days. You're not going to put out any better work. Yeah, exactly. Than the eras that you already accomplished. It's clear. You know, Megadeth's doing yeah. the same thing. Yeah, and like you know the touring aspect. Um, you know, the same thing when we just talk about Chris Adler, at some point in time, you kind of have to like, let your career, just let it be a legacy, like let it live on through, exactly. you know, the people that are still listening. Cause I still like, think about people for decades and however long this earth is around are going to continuously listen to eighties Metallica before anything. They just need to realize if you're a true fan. It's better to burn out than to fade away. Than to fade away. <laughs> yep. All right. Well, Young knew what the fuck he was talking about, yeah. man. And Courtney Love Tell when she me. wrote Kurt Cobain's suicide note. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she was like, she probably heard pre-production for the new album was like, this is going to ruin their legacy. I have to end this on my own terms. <laughs> or she saw the pre-production of the uh, impending divorce. <laughs> <laughs> that possibility as well. Plus she had an album coming out herself. It was a perfect storm. All right, well... Since this is Halloween, this I, is Halloween. This is Halloween. <laughs> Anyways, I feel like since this is Halloween, I feel like this is a better time than ever to talk about shock rock. And when I mean shock rock, okay. I mean bands like Kiss, like Alice Cooper, Rob Zombie, Marilyn Manson, you know, Insane Clown Posse to an extent. Um,. A slipknot you know shit like that would these bands be so coveted if they weren't like so like in your face with like the aesthetics and shit Marilyn Manson right, so definitely no yeah I, I definitely percent. yeah I, I don't feel like Marilyn Manson's music I mean don't get me wrong like, I like some of his tunes and shit but I don't feel like if the whole like persona the of package. Marilyn Manson yeah, yeah. If you didn't have that, he wouldn't have done anything really. And most half of his hits are covers. Yeah. So it was really all about the image and, and just turning shit up. And honestly, not for nothing, like Trent Reznor's his fucking producer. So I mean, not you know, I'm not gonna fucking sit here and suck Trent Reznor's dick, but anything he touches is pretty fucking good. Yeah, Trent Reznor is a musical fucking genius. Yeah. I mean, I'm not even the biggest Nine Inch Nails fan. I like Nine Inch Nails. Yeah. I own their, you know a fair amount of their albums i don't have all of them or anything but i have up until the fragile i think but um trent reznor has a vision and yeah. definitely no denying some of the nine inch nails shit like pretty hate machine downward spiral broken that shit you cannot deny yeah um rob zombie i think he would have been fine even if he was like a normal looking motherfucker yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, because so, you even look at... Go ahead, Steve. <laughs> no, I was going to say, the thing with Rob Zombie is, um, and we talk about like the shot rock, because there's one band specifically that you didn't mention that I'm actually a huge fan of as the band, and not actually their theatrics, which is Guar. Oh, yeah, Guar. Like, Guar I completely forgot about Guar. Yeah, like, Guar is not even so much, because like, we have it in like this horror kind of theme, but then, yeah, when you expand it out to bands like Slipknot... Um, and like Marilyn Manson, where they take on those personas and like act a certain way, even like Alice Cooper. But Gore, like Gore, has some like really good fucking albums as a thrash band. Yeah. Um, and Rob Zombie, this is the thing. Rob Zombie, I think his solo career, like I almost put in the same realm as like Marilyn Manson. I don't even really like a lot really? of his solo shit. Did I? I really don't. Want 
Exterminate the sun. Like Hellbilly yeah, Deluxe I mean, like, and shit? Like, you don't like Hellbilly that? Hellbilly Deluxe is fire. The Sinister Urge? This is the thing, though. But I think there's a huge difference because it's the same thing with Gore. Like, because I'm so accustomed with White Zombie. And even Astro Creep, yeah. you could see the direction he was heading with White Zombie that he was able to take that and make it more into like that industrial like sound. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it was all like, around that same time more, period, too. It was like, yeah, it, it was it then. Yeah. But and that's the thing, though. The music that's there, it's like I never even listened to Rob Zombie or even White Zombie for like the – like people listen to Marilyn Manson because of that Because image. they want because to listen to Marilyn Manson. Style. Yeah. I think he's cool. Yeah. Like, like I'm telling you right now, any single person that may or even my, you know, my fiance meets that like find out I listen to metal or she listens to metal, Marilyn Manson and Slipknot are like the first two – like, yo, you like Marilyn Manson? You like Slipknot? Like why does that have to be the – category that immediately you think if I listen to metal, I like Marilyn. Like, have you ever listened to Marilyn Manson? That's like what I want to ask these yeah, people. Not metal. Like, what no, do you think? Not at all. That's what I'm saying. Like, but people because of that. He's a heavy alternative. Yeah, if it's that. very yeah heavy and, pop, and, yeah. hard pop. I mean, don't get me wrong. I like beautiful people. That's kind of like the only Marilyn Manson song I really fuck with. Just because I like that. It's just like cool sounding. I don't know. I like Tainted Love. Yeah, that's good too. Even his color cover of this is Halloween. That's good too. Okay. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I mean, like even like bands, but like for instance, like Kiss. If we go back to Kiss, which is like that main one, I think Kiss could have done it even without the theatrics. I think Kiss would have been all right if they weren't that. I don't think they would have been nearly as iconic. They definitely wouldn't have been as big. Is, yeah. Definitely not. Not even close. But their music alone for that time was enough that if they were a different direction, for instance, they probably could have came out as just like some badass guys. Like, you know, like if you figure that whole scene, I mean, the music itself is there. But like, that's the thing. Their music doesn't necessarily reflect their image as much as like Marilyn Manson. Well, not for nothing with Kiss, but Kiss was mostly enjoyed by girls in the 70s that thought they were hot because of the makeup and shit oh shit yeah well and if they weren't like not for nothing again but they weren't like fucking supermodels without the makeup on they were all kind of like hairy and like (laughs) no (laughs) well it's also funny too that we're talking about like their talent and music and whatnot because i've heard multiple interviews like with their manager at the time, like yeah. that said that they had to have the makeup. Well, back then, dudes like like Black Sabbath and Led Zeppelin and girls liked Kiss. Like, yeah, girls that like had like a hard rock boyfriend or whatever that didn't listen to like Waylon Jennings or whatever the fuck. Yeah, Jim Croce. Um, <laughs> they fuck it. The the girls that dated those dudes liked like Kiss and shit until Disco came out, and then they were all yeah. like, "All right, we're going." And then disco. Kiss went Disco. <laughs> yeah, Kiss. Yeah. Go. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> Oh my god! But yeah, but anyways, yeah, I, what I was going back to with their manager, their management had said, like on multiple interviews I've heard and read and listen, you know, listened to, um, that Kiss would not have gone as far as they did if they had come out with just the makeup or with without the makeup. You know, what I, you follow what I'm saying? Look, yeah, of course. Like if they would have came out as normal dudes unmasked, they wouldn't have been as successful as they were. No, no, not even close, but I still think Kiss would have been, um, I still think they would have made a big label. I still think they would have had some hits, yeah. but like, if you think about the way Kiss is remembered, oh my God. 
Like anytime, like if I hear the band Kiss, I mean, think of the first thing that comes to your mind. Gene Simmons. Is that theatric, yeah. the paint, yeah. yeah, everything. Gene Simmons. Honestly, the first I mean? thing I think of, yeah. like when someone mentions Kiss, like honest God, you know like how like when you hear something, you have like images in your brain. The first image that I yeah. think of is from the rock and roll all night video when Gene Simmons is spitting fire. The That's thing, the image that comes yeah. to my head. I always just think of I love it loud. I just yeah. think I hear yeah. that. I hear that. <laughs> yeah. That song is that song is pretty fucking bad. Uh, that song. Yeah. I heard that was like the first song when I was a kid that got me into Kiss. You know, I I um downloaded uh God Gave Rock and Roll to you and I actually I realized that, song. It, that song's actually pretty good. I hate that song. God gave rock and roll to you. That's I hate. That's <laughs> no, one of my least favorite. No. Songs. Well, I was watching Bill and Ted, and they had that shit in the second movie. <laughs> Kiss is supposed to be some like oh, shock rock demonic act, and then they're yeah, singing, honestly God though, like to, to look at Kiss and not know their like music the and just like hear them or just like the visual on Kiss, like you would think it would be like the nastiest like dirtiest fucking heaviest shit you've ever heard in your life well think of the idea of what corpse paint is now with uh, black metal yeah exactly i mean that's a staple in black metal music and it's funny because 90 percent of the people who see something like that their first thing is like huh kiss did that you know Because you figure black metal didn't fucking exist at any point in time when Kiss was writing their hits and That's shit true. and torn. That's very true. You know, but like Corpse Paint now, it's just really funny. It's just like that whole thing that Kiss did with the sat- – and like it even goes back to like Alice Cooper. Because Alice Cooper, like his early work, he wasn't nearly in like that whole shock rock scene and stuff. You know, like going on like yeah. if you think of like I'm 18 – Think of like No More Mr. Nice Guy, School's Out. I mean, none of those songs you would think that eventually, like when he went out and did like, you know, like songs like Feed My Frankenstein and shit like that. And then he came out there with that same type of vibe that like Rob Zombie was producing, that Kiss. Like, it's just like different ideas. But like, I think Alice Cooper would have been all right, you know, without having to go that way. Well, honest to God, I'm going to contradict you on this one. I. You don't think Alice Cooper would have did well? okay without having to be like the type of shock rock i feel like he would have been okay but he definitely wouldn't be as much of a household name as he is now i mean then again i'm not the biggest alice cooper fan at all like i i like i like a few of his songs like that song poison i like poison a lot i I like that fucking riff it's cool what alice cooper yeah you don't like i'm 18 I won't go out of my way to listen to it. Like it won't, it won't find its way onto wow. my Spotify playlist. That's a great song. Yeah, but that's the Dark thing, Shadows. Yeah. Huh? Have you seen Dark Shadows? Yeah, I saw Dark Shadows. When oh man, when that shit came in and that like I was like yeah, damn, that's actually a well, great. Well, that's song. the thing. Like I'm not gonna say I don't like Alice Cooper. I'm just not going out of my way to listen to him. But I just you don't yeah, billion I mean, dollar I mean, babies. I can't say that. Yeah, Love one. It to Death, man. Love It to Death came out in 1971. Billion Dollar Babies came out in 73, right? So you got to think that type of music that was coming out, especially like, um, you know, I'm 18. And then obviously when School's Out and No More Mr. Nice Guy hit, yeah. I mean, School's Out comes out in 72, man. Yeah. I mean, think about the music that's coming out in that time. Yeah, but I feel like, you know? I just feel like the makeup and the, you know, the, the, the theatrics and the stage presence and whatnot. I feel like that may have boosted his career more than the actual music. But that's where it goes into that, like, live performances. Yeah. 
are like make or break for certain bands. I agree. I mean, it's the same thing with Guar. Like Guar would not be nearly as like even known in any type of scene because they would have just got bunched in with any other generic, you know, borderline thrash band. Yeah. Shit, they would be bunched in with like Overkill, like as one of those thrash bands that came up in the time. But yeah. like, you may or may not know them. But Guar, it's like the first thing you think about if you even know that band is like what they fucking do on yeah. stage. Cutting people's like, arms people off. People even have it's Like, yeah, dude. I mean, I think the theatrics for certain bands and like. But that's the thing. Like, when is it like taking away from the music? Because again, like Marilyn Manson's music as a whole, not a fucking fan. No. You know, even Slipknot. I'm not even a huge Slipknot fan, but Slipknot's actually got some decent talent. But a lot of people listen to them for their live performances to go to their shows. Yeah. Well, uh, however, it it goes back to that one point where we were talking about like the um like the you know the fan base of the artist that kind of ruins the artist for everyone else. I feel like the yeah. Slipknot fans like ruined Slipknot for everybody. Oh, absolutely! Like, dude, it's like, like I, I enjoy hate. Slipknot. I really do. But it's like you know when we were in school, you had the fucking kids with the chains on their pants and all that other bullshit, and it was like, well, I'm not like you. I like to wear flannels and fucking jeans and shit, and you know, like Chuck Taylors. And my parents won't fucking buy me Doc Martens and <laughs> fucking. And pants with chains on them. Yeah. <laughs> and my parents won't let me get fucking snake bites. So, I mean, I'm not really like you per se, but I do like this band. So then you, you know, start to grow a hatred for this band just based off of their fan base, which kind of sucks and it kind of works against them. But I mean, Slipknot still sells out fucking arenas all day. Yeah. I mean, that's, and then that's again, because of the live performances. I mean, um, is Gigi Allen shot? Yeah. Hell yeah, right? What do you think? Uh, see, Gigi Allen, I wouldn't even really necessarily bunch into that because Gigi Allen wasn't really... He, he was wasn't the one of those people. He was fucked off. He wasn't trying to shock he, people. But he think, about the level, think about the level of theatrics that he was displaying. He wasn't like trying to fucking sell shows based on the fact that he was shitting on people and putting bananas up his you know, ass. Trying to fuck crowd members. You know? I mean, he got kicked out of like 80% of the fucking venues he played at. That dude made no fucking money. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Like way less than dude Elvis wasn't and Michael. Doing that for the sake of <laughs> way less than us. Yeah, dude. Yeah, way less than <laughs> us. But then, on a scale from GG Allen to Elvis, where do we fall? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, here's the thing. All right, we're gonna mention this due to the aesthetic of it being Halloween. We have to bring up probably the biggest act, at least in like a rock and roll vibe sense. Of Halloween theme music misfits. being the the Misfits, oh, absolutely. Because yeah. here's the Horror thing: punk. the Misfits yeah. are perfect because their songs that they wrote in the time of like the late '70s, early '80s, um, yeah. had that sound that made the theatrics Mommy. work. Because even like I said, when I saw them live in 2016, they had the pumpkins up there, they had the lights, they had the fog machines, and it's cool because their music has that like punk like you know groovy vibe to it and all their songs is like upbeat as they may be are about like, murdering people you know about fucking halloween themed movies i mean it's just perfect yeah. and the Dude, thing about it is though, <laughs> but it's like i actually like their music and it was before like i had never even seen the misfits live shit you couldn't even see the original misfits live for the past three decades yes yeah, that's true you know but again it's like 
if I'm paying money to go see Kiss, I'm expecting that performance. If I'm paying money to go see Guar, I'm expecting them to be in, you know, attire in that performance. Yes. If I'm paying money to go see, God forbid, Marilyn Manson, I mean, you're expecting Marilyn Manson. Yeah. You know, I'm not even paying. I, I guarantee you, if you did a study, I guarantee a lot of people don't necessarily pay so much money to go hear 12 specific songs as opposed to going to see that band as like almost like a show. Like literally like a circus type show well, as I, opposed to like the music that's out. I can tell you from experience that Rob Zombie has put on one of the most like interesting stage shows I've ever seen. I haven't seen Rob, Rob Zombie. Zombie. I saw him in 2008 yeah. when he was opening for Ozzy during the Black Rain tour. They had uh, In This Moment opening back when In This Moment was actually good. And um, Rob Zombie came out, dude. It was like the craziest shit I'd ever seen. Like to this day, like a fucking robot came out during more human than human. And it was like fucking 12 foot tall. And like, it was like fighting Rob Zombie and shit. And like the screens and the horror movies played in the background, just like the aesthetics and just like how creepy it was, even though I was so far away, dude, it was just like one of those experiences. And I'll never forget that show as long as I live. But that's, that goes to show you that's another artist because of his theme and music. Rob Zombie has great roots in what he enjoys, yeah. movie-wise, music-wise. So he pulls it off. Oh, absolutely. Like, as a person. Like, I mean, think about the movies he's made. Oh, hell yeah. Fucking House of a Thousand Corpses could have been released in the 80s and been huge, dude. Yeah. Like, I felt like I was watching an 80s horror movie when I watched that. So, like, his music alone goes with the theatrics. Like, it's like perfect blend it's same thing with the misfits like when you see that stage performance and the way it's set up the music just kind of flows because you get a, like, i get a halloween vibe when i listen to any white zombie song any rob zombie song any fucking you know misfits song and then the idea of shock rock it's like i think more so because of white zombie that's why i appreciate rob zombie because i know the musical talents that he has i know the songs but like yeah. there's never been like an early version of marilyn manson or even like I won't even say like Slipknot to an extent where I can be like, wow, these guys actually have some real musical talent because I don't really ever hear about those bands unless it's because of a live performance because of what they wore. Yeah. You know what I mean? On stage, yep. you know, I mean, even like Kiss's earlier work, like er their work doesn't really symbolize what they're doing on stage. No. Is Rob Zombie works, doing any more you know? movies? Yeah, he did. Um, he Free just from did Hell. Free From Hell. Right, when did that come out? It just came out what two weeks ago? Oh shit! A couple weeks ago, wow. yeah, beginning of October. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's it's the uh, third to complete a trilogy of House of a Thousand Corpses, Devil's Rejects. I'll tell you that one. The one out. album he did, not, it was like probably ten years ago. Educated Horses. Yeah, that was good. That was not a bad album. Yeah. Yeah. That's. Uh, I think the single was what yeah. Foxy Foxy or something. It was good. Aren't you I know gonna that. ride it, Foxy, Foxy, or something like that? I know there was at least one song on it I really liked. Um, the song "Educated Horses" was good. Maybe that's the one. Yeah, Educated Horses, dude. American his, Witch. Right, so American like, Witch. That was a badass song. The American. Yeah, that. Oh my god, I gotta put that on my Spotify now. I'm glad. I'm glad you said so, that. I forgot about that. Okay, and then he just did Hellboy too. Uh, since then, I think. Let's, oh, no, let's, let's put this out there then. Okay, put what out there to kind of like wrap up this theme. We'll make it like kind of simple, right? So we'll take Rob Zombie. We'll take the Misfits. 
Actually, yeah, we'll just take Rob Zombie and the Misfits, right? Okay. What about Guar? Because they're like the two biggest ones. No, no, we'll just take these two for the purpose of what I'm going to say. Um, we'll start with Connor, go around. Connor, between those two bands I just named, would you prefer Rob Zombie era tunes, White Zombie era tunes, and for the Misfits, Graves era or Danzig era? And you can only have one era. So any albums that were released in those periods of time? Well, Misfits, obviously Danzig. Um, okay. And with Rob Zombie, that's hard. It's kind of hard, man, because... That is very Hellbilly Deluxe mm-hmm. was fucking good. It, mm-hmm. um, I guess I'd have to take White Zombie because of a lot of sex your sisto, but there you go. Yeah, it's and, that one's hard mm-hmm. though. And I'm going to be the exact opposite because I'll probably take Hellbilly over Astro Creep. Yeah. So yeah, I'm not a huge fan of Astro so, Creep. Yeah, but yeah, Bill. Yeah. I I gotta go the opposite. I had to pick Graves era Misfits. I just enjoy that era of the misfits a lot more mm-hmm. it i don't know like to me like like dig up her bones is fucking well awesome. you like like the hard rock stuff yeah more than like the punk stuff and the graves era is more hard rock exactly than, like, punk yeah more polished yeah. it's almost like the difference between like alice and chains and nirvana like yeah. dancing era kind of had that roller edge to it more punk quick songs and yeah, American Psycho, Famous Monsters kind of became more polished yeah. and like more of like a metal tune from like uh, Doyle's guitar. Exactly. Work. And um, I, I'm going to have to go with Rob Zombie era, Rob Zombie music. I mean, you know, Hellbilly Deluxe, Sinister Urge, you know, Educated Horses, like the, the they're just good. Like, you know, yeah. I mean, there there's more material with the Rob Zombie era, Rob Zombie tunes and there is the White Zombie shit, but it's just hard though because the fucking white zombie tunes are just so good. Like it's just yeah. they're just good like vibing songs. Like they got grooves. They're just good songs. But I, I'm gonna have to go with just Rob Zombie on that one. All right. Yeah. I mean, Connor, I'm on the same boat with you. I mean, great. Here's the thing with the Misfits because like you guys both know, like I'm like quintessentially i just love the misfits yeah. with everything exception of the uh, Doyle era or not the Doyle. Yeah, the uh, Jerry Only era. Yeah. Jerry Olin era is absolutely garbage, but Dancing <laughs> Misfits just because of Static Age. Um, I mean, Earth AD, it's Wolf just so different, so Walk good. Among Walk Among Us is just front to back flawless. I mean, Static Age front to back yeah. flawless. But here's the thing: I listen to American Psycho and Famous Monsters a lot more in recent times, front to back, uh, than I actually have the Dancing era until I went and saw them live. And heard the Danzig era tunes because I always tell you like when I listen to a band live, it almost like rejuvenates that love for like certain songs. Oh, yeah, like I when they they came out when they came out, they started with uh, "Death Comes Ripping" from Earth AD, and hearing that live, dude, I'm like, wow, dude, I forgot how fucking good of a song that was. <laughs> and then uh, with Rob Zombie, I mean, just because of Lost Exorcisto, that's the only reason I can really take White Zombie era because Lost Exorcisto from front to back. It's perfect. Like all the little clips that they add in there, all the little like in between audio tracks that they use, yeah. all the little like tidbits yeah. in the music, they, like well playing motherfucker. They perfected like the the shit they were doing on the EPs in the eighties that were like more noisy and more like yeah. sound clippy. Yeah, like yeah, soul exactly. yeah, like the Soul Crusher album. Yeah. Like they really took all that and like really like Lost Exorcist as a whole is just like Warp Asylum is such a fucking this is so heavy, dude. Like so good. Lost Exorcisto doesn't get nearly enough credit from people talking about great nineties rock albums at all. 
Oh hell no! no one ever that album is it's in a league of its own because it's just so different. Yeah. I mean, it's 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 fucking group metal, dude. Yeah, so different. All right, so personal suggestions. Yeah, let's get into our personal suggestions. Uh-huh. Um, all right, so I guess I'll go first. Um, my personal suggestion of the week is to check out the 2009 release from Cannibal Corpse, Eviscoration Plague. And the standout track would have to be Eviscoration Plague. And I feel like this is the perfect opportunity to be able to recommend something like this for it being Halloween and everything. And you don't get much fucking darker and spookier than Cannibal Corpse, in my opinion. Yeah. And probably my horror movie to point out would probably be the 2018 Halloween sequel. The Rob Zombie? No, the, the John... Oh, you're talking about the very uh, new one that just came out? Yeah, the one that just came out. Yeah, 2018. Yeah, it, what's cool about that is they took everything after one. Yeah, exactly. And that, uh, like, replaced the idea of what two was and kind of do a new thing. It's actually funny. Connor you know, watched that one before he's ever seen the first one. The nineteen seventy. Yeah, Connor's never the seen the first one. Connor's wow. only seen the new one. Sorry, bud. <laughs> Unbelievable. <laughs> All right. So, yeah, my, my suggestion is Eviscoration Plague, the album and song, and 2018's Halloween. What do you got? So, my album, to keep it in the aesthetic of uh, Halloween theme music, the band is called Acid Witch. Oh, um, nice. All their songs are pretty much that eerie, like creepy, like you hear like bubbling in the background. Like it just sounds like horror vibe. They're a death metal band. Yeah. Album was released in 2012. It's called Witch Tannic Hallucinations. Um, the cut that I want to take from that, it's called Witch Blood Cult. Fucking excellent song. Connor would not like it. Bill, I think absolutely would. <laughs> um, for anybody fan of death metal, that's the album I'm recommending. Now my movie recommendation um, it's actually going to be the very first Hellraiser. Oh, hell yeah. Uh, I think that that's a great movie. Yeah. As a Hellraiser horror, one. So yeah, good. it's just, it's so well done. The, you know, like the, the graphics, the, you know, practical effects that they actually use before CGI was a fucking oh, thing. I God, think it's so dude. awesome, especially in the beginning when like Frank Cotton, like rejuvenate, like rejuvenates as a body. Yep. Like first it starts as a hard, you see his body come back again. It's just a fucking great movie. But yeah, definitely the original Hellraiser. You know, that's a movie that I hope Hollywood leaves alone and they don't try to fucking reboot it. Like that movie is yeah, perfect I the way it not. is. Like I hope they don't get some fucking bug up their ass and go, you know what? We have to remake Hellraiser. Yeah, I really hope they don't do that. What do you got, Connor? Really hope so. Okay. For my album, I have Regina Spector's third album from 2003. <laughs> It's called Soviet Kitsch. Um, she was born in the former Soviet Union. Um, for songs to check out, Poor Little Rich Boy, Ghost of Corporate Future, and Chemo Limo. If you had to choose one, what would it be? Uh, probably Poor Little Rich Boy. Okay. Um, <laughs> my movie is the 1983 David Cronenberg film based off the Stephen King novel of the same name, The Dead Zone. Oh, hell yeah. You seen it? Yeah. Yeah, it's not really a Halloween movie, but it's spooky. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, it's a good movie. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, and our, our um, group suggestion this week is to check out the miniseries on HBO called The Defiant Ones, um, directed by Alan Hughes. This is a three-part miniseries that chronicles the you know backstory and life of famed record producer, owner um, of Interscope, Jimmy Iovine, and probably one of the greatest hip-hop producers of all time, Dr. Dre. And it chronicles their lives up until they meet to create Aftermath. And, you know, there's just a lot of stuff in there. They go in, they go in depth with Nine Inch Nails and Marilyn Manson and Gwen Stefani and pretty much just every artist that has come out of Interscope. Eminem's in there and they chronicle, you know, Eminem's like first meeting with the Interscope guys and Dre and creating Shady Gosh, Aftermath. Wow. Dude, if you haven't yeah. seen this, you're, you're, you're missing out big time. Like, you're really, really missing out if you haven't seen it. All right, yeah. guys. Well, we'd like to thank you for continuing to support this podcast, even though we are on a short break here. Um, uh, happy Halloween from us here at Rage Against the Mainstream. Uh, stay tuned because we will be coming out with season two to be announced. Keep up with us on social media, uh, facebook.com slash RATM podcast. Twitter and Instagram at RATM Podcast. And as always, our email is open at RATM Podcast at gmail.com. This has been Rage Against the Mainstream. Thank you so much for supporting us and keep listening because there will be more stuff coming out shortly. Um, in the meantime, you can check out the second podcast I'm doing called Basement Box Office, available on Apple Podcasts and the Podbean app. Um. Yeah, I guess that pretty much wraps it up for this week. What do you say, fellas? Very good episode, All right. fellas. All right, guys. This is Rage Against the Mainstream signing off. I'm Bill. I'm Connor. I'm Steve. Have a good night, guys. Thanks for listening. <laughs>